I can't fly. What? You heard me. I can't fly. Uh, no, no. You're going to have to do better than that, pal. No, I don't have to do better than that because it's the truth. I can't fly. I suffer from aviophobia. What does that mean? Because I can't fly. I also suffer from acrophobia and claustrophobia. Well, I'll tell you what. If you don't cooperate, you're going to suffer from fistophobia. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody wang chung tonight. The movies. Yes! 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 Oh! 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 I'll have what she's having. And the parties. No one in my family ever drinks. That's great! You probably never run out of ice your whole life. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today, we head out on our own version of planes, trains, automobiles, and bail bondsmen to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the movie Midnight Run. Is this moron number one? Put moron number two on the phone. Steve, Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. In the off chance you'd forgotten, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And let's say it all together. Don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at where? Where? It's at clnsmedia.com, Steve. Like if we mix it up, people actually pay attention. What do I do now, Brad? You beg. You plead. You badger. (laughs) You harangue. Yes. It's a loving harangue, though. Not, not Not at all harsh. Not a lemon harangue. Mm. Don't forget to like our page on Facebook. Uh, the address is facebook.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast or follow us on Twitter. It's just simply stuck in the 80s. And remember, all our shows. If you want to follow me on Twitter, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Brad in the 80s. <laughs> cricket, cricket. It's mostly soccer crap, let's face it. And as always, our main website is still, and always will be, at least until the next podcast, sit80s.com. Steve, joining us today is Just Drew, and if I'm not mistaken, he sounds like a man with some news to share. Drew, what's going on? Well, guys, you know, I'm not, I'm not comfortable on planes. I I I don't like to fly. I am I'm not good at flying. <laughs> <laughs> These things go down. All right. These things go down. They go. It's too big. It's too big. It's, it can't go up. But the news I have, Steve, is that my wife and I will be joining all of you on the '80s cruise. Oh my God! In 2019, you shifty little bastard. <laughs> I asked you like, are we just? <laughs> yeah, we. We just talked about it, and I lied. I lied to you because I wanted oh, to surprise man. you on oh, air. Oh, that's so good. I'm so happy. <laughs> I can hear him smiling from here. I am. It's like it hurts. Yep. My face doesn't hasn't exercised these muscles in months. So I don't I don't know what to do. Yeah, so we're going to be joining you, Brad, Just Jen, 
Jennifer, who I met at Disneyland. I mean, we're, everybody's going to be there. So be there. Bet everybody. All the humans. The Ramos. Everybody. So we're going to have a good time. We, we think Friedman. we officially need yeah. more than one table now. So No. The nerds, the dorks, the dweebs, the sportos. Blood. fun. Geeks. Actually, one of, Drew, one of my high school friends from Oklahoma and his wife are coming, too. Yeah. Oh, right. Getting the band back together. I don't have any friends like outside of like the Stucky 80s friends that, oh, that would set her going. No, no, no. I have uh, friends, but I, they're none of them. None of them ever want to come on the cruise. I don't. I don't know what's up with that. I, my friends are, but your friends are coming on. The cruise. Yeah, you, we're yes, coming. I'm on just the saying, cruise, like my, my non my non podcast family. You know what's but, what's that? What is that? I don't even know what that means anymore. You know, to be honest, yeah. I they, I don't even know if they exist. So let's, let's leave it at that. <laughs> I say now, my my podcast family is some of my favorite family. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, find out why. Come along with us. Yeah. In the meantime, we have some business at hand. Midnight Run has just hit its 30th anniversary. It will. It was released on July 20th, 1988. The movie starred Robert De Niro as a bounty hunter who has to track down an accountant for the Chicago mob, played by Charles Grodin, who is running for his life after embezzling $15 million and skipping out on his bail. De Niro has five days to bring back Grodin before the bail expires. In the meantime, they're being pursued by the FBI, some tough guys from the mob, all of them wanting the wayward accountant at any cost. Sound like a compelling, gritty drama? Well, it is, but it's also one of the funniest movies from the second half of the 80s, and that's probably why we still love it today. Either one of you guys see this one in the theater? No, sir. Yeah, I, I saw it in theaters, and I remember seeing it with my dad, Oh, and we laughed our asses off. This is one of our favorite films. Yeah, nice. I saw it uh, with the... The girlfriend known as uh, Lasangere Girl. Lasangere Girl rears her <laughs> ugly head. I'm sure it was a lovely head. It, Never mind. That's such a weird picture I get in my head of <laughs> what was she wearing? <laughs> well, for, those, for those who are new. What was she eating for that matter? For those who are new to the podcast, Lasangere Girl, a term coined by Jen with one N, is the amalgam that we have invented for the girl previously known as Lingerie girl or lasagna girl. Depending on what Steve is thinking about food or, you know. Because I bought her a yeah. pair of peach colored lingerie from JCPenney's. But she came to pick Ooh. up that. <laughs> so wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I was 19 years old. But we did it for two years. But the, the last year, which is probably 1988, was very rocky for us. Okay. And we went to see this movie. And I'm pretty sure we saw it in Winter Haven, Florida, which is... Like this little berg halfway between Tampa and Orlando. It's a it's a spot on the map. But um we that's where she was from. We went to see it. Okay. And we were pulling we were pulling we got in some argument and she threw me out of her car and it was raining. Like while and, driving? <laughs> like showed you out the door? Yes. No, well she she stopped. <sighs> she stopped on the street. Did she at least slow down. Told me to get out of the car. And so I was so I walked back from where I was to her house in the rain. Sorry, I'm and, laughing uh, at that. Where my car was waiting. And I'm like, that's it. This relationship's over. I'm out of here. So I'm trying to get into my car to drive back to Gainesville. And her parents come running out. And they're all apologetic and saying, don't leave. Don't leave. She's real sorry. She's she's in there crying because she knows she did the wrong thing. Oh, boy. Come in there. Oh, at least let her apologize. God. And you, you should. I mean. Can't drive home to Gainesville at ten o'clock at night in a driving rainstorm. So I go inside, and she's not sorry. 
She's still She's pissed. like, what are you doing here? Yeah. Somehow I've been Mom, conned by your parents. Into them. Anyway, we, 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 I think we survived like one or two months after, after this. So, so when I think of Midnight Run, I think of the drive that I should have made. The midnight run that I should have made from, <laughs> from from Winter Haven to yeah. to uh, to oh uh, Gainesville, and uh, alas, there was no embezzled fifteen million dollars or mob guys uh, coming after me. But it might as well have been for his. I'm his picturing you tumbling out of the passenger seat like this guy's tumble out of the box car at that one point of the movie. She. She had one of those cars, remember those cheap ass cars that they had in the eighties that they came out and they were stripped down. They had like nothing in them. They were like, like, a, like a Yugo, like a Hyundai, like an early Hyundai or a Yugo, yeah. like a Yugo. I don't think it, it actually yeah, like was a Yugo. Yugo, but it literally felt like, oh, like a halfway made Yugo. And that, that was like the little. Something yeah, no. like Geo Metro. That would have been Geo Metro. I just remember like the humiliation <laughs> of getting kicked out of the the world's worst car. Oh, this God. horrible little Hamlet in the backwater Florida. So when when you suggested doing yeah. this topic this week, I was naturally uh now I understand why you're pushing back a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Which sucks for me because I love this film. I love this film. What do you love about it? Uh, here's what I love about it. It's like literally everything you'd want in an action film, in a buddy film, in a, you know, a not buddy film. It's like 48 hours where they're not buddies. You've got chase scenes. You've got action. You've got drama. You've got all this stuff and it all wraps up so nicely. And, you know, how many action films can you think of that end on such a sweet moment of him telling him good luck and, and saying goodbye and letting him off and, 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 having that moment of really kind of a nice touching moment is a great way to end the film. You know, it looks like I'm walking, yeah. which I guess is what you said after you got shoved out of the car. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I didn't, didn't make the connection. I just figured it was a riff on I'm walking here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's actually interesting. Um, When he walks up to the taxi driver yeah. guy and he says, uh, can thousand. you break a thousand? Yeah. yeah. The taxi driver goes, get out of here. He actually worked with De Niro on taxi driver. Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's wow. Funny. So bit of bit of trivia there. That's why I love the film is just because it has so many elements of every one of those different genres of films. And yet it does a great job of combining them all together. I'm surprised. I was really surprised when I watched it again yesterday. I was like, God, I didn't realize it was that long. It's like two hours yeah, long. It's a wow. bit of a slog through the middle, but then it kind of tips over and it starts going again. Yeah. But that's the thing is, so I started deconstructing it a little bit going, okay, what would I take out if I... And all of those scenes really play well off of one another. And there's really nothing that you could shorten that would, you know, make it go maybe, maybe a little yeah, faster in a couple places. It's economical, but- though. There's not a lot of fat in there. You're right. Yeah. yeah. So I saw it for the first time last night. I'd never seen this movie. No. Really? Yeah. I've never seen this movie. And this is something we talk about doing sometimes like the, let's do a, let's do a podcast about a movie everybody loves, but you've never seen. And, you know, so that's kind of what this can be a little bit about. It shouldn't all be about that, but I really enjoyed it. I I didn't really know what to expect, except that Drew is singing its praises, and Steve is mildly reluctant to talk about it due to <laughs> you know, due to walking situation, extenuating circumstances, as we like to say. But I enjoyed it. it. Starts up, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Robert De Niro looks so young. I'm like, okay, yeah. I had to look it up. I'm like, okay, he was 45. He looks great for 45. Yeah. No kidding. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. The characters are good. And like you say, it's kind of this 
are they friends? Are they enemies? Are they, you know, they're yeah, just kind yeah. of thrown together out of circumstance? There's a point late in the movie where one of them says, you know, in different circumstances, we still would have hated each other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> Why would you eat that? Why? Yeah, it tastes good. But it's not good for you. Well, where are they? Well, why would you do something that you know that's not good for you? Because I don't think about it. Well, that's living in denial. Living in denial? Yeah. I'm aware of that. So you're aware of all your behavior, yet you continue to do things that aren't good for you. That sounds sort of foolish, don't you think so, Jack? No. Stealing $15 million from Jimmy Serrano sounds foolish. I don't think I get caught. Now, that's living in denial. Aware of that. Oh, so you're aware of your behavior, and yet you continue to do things that aren't good for you. Sounds kind of foolish to me, don't you think, John? It was foolish. You know what I think is interesting about this movie? De Niro sought this movie out as a project because he wanted to take a break from the kind of roles he'd been doing up until that point. He just finished Untouchables, <laughs> and he did a lot of heavy movies and to this point in his career. He wanted a comic role. He actually tried to get a part in the movie Big, which we talked about. Oh, which we just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That didn't happen because I, I think it was his salary demand was a little r- ridiculous. And so we landed here and instead. He was like the no-brainer. The studio was was more than happy to have De Niro in there. But Charles Grodin, on the other hand, not anybody's first pick. Uh, no. S- such good casting, though. Such she, good casting. Yeah, that's the thing is in the end, it had such good casting, but... Man, basically every leading man in Hollywood was talked about the role. I mean, you had there for a while, actually for one moment, there was Stallone and Schwarzenegger in the both the roles, the the Duke and Jack Walsh. Huh. But that kind of fell apart. And then they decided maybe Stallone or Schwarzenegger, one of those guys could play the Duke. But you know, it would have been a vastly different and I may say the a, an inferior film with, oh, yeah. with one of those guys in that role. Roden is so but, good as the accountant. I mean, he's just such a oh, Yeah. You know, he's barely even there, and then he says something like, yeah, that's what a count would say. I have to tell you, a restaurant is a very tricky investment. More than half of them go under within the first six months. If I were your accountant, I'd have to strongly advise you against it. No, I'm just saying that it's a very, very tricky business, and if I were your accountant, I would really strongly have to advise you against it as, a, as an accountant. I've never seen chemistry like that, and that's what eventually sold the studio. The studio... They talked about Cher doing it so that you know you could add a little mm-hmm. spice to it. Ooh. They talked about uh, Robin Williams, who really wanted the part. Ultimately, they got uh, Grodin and De Niro in the same room and did an audition. And it was obvious. Boom, they said. That's what I've heard anyway. Just obvious right then and there that that's what it was going to make work. Nice. What worked for them also was that they were all repped by the same agency. That's why Grodin kind of got his foot in the door. Oh, oh okay. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah, because originally, like you said, it was Robin Williams and stuff like that. And then he had to pass. I can't remember why. And so then Paramount, which had the film, decided to to give it to, was it Universal? I think it's Universal. Yeah, it's a Universal movie. And so that's why they ended up switching and Grodin and Brest and uh, De Niro were all repped by the same agency. So that's that's how that all kind of came together. But yeah, it was perfect. I mean- I don't think any of them realized just how good the chemistry was going to be between those two guys. Let me let me see if I can stump you guys with a uh, a quickie trivia question here. Between uh, De Niro and Charles Grodin, who do you think had more film credits in the eighties? Oh gosh, I would say De Niro. Yeah, he did a lot of work. And how much? So oh, that's yeah. pro- so that's probably not the answer if you're asking us because that seems like the obvious answer. 
Yeah. How many movies do you think De Niro did in the 80s? Was it like more than six, less than six, more than 10, less than 10? I would say 10 or 12. Yeah, because I remember he was also doing a lot of cameos. That was one of the reasons I saw when I was looking at this film is that I, I found an interview with De Niro from 88 uh, in Rolling Stones talking about this film, and he said absolutely nothing. He's the worst interview. He just doesn't yeah, he really want to talk about anything. He doesn't open up at all. But uh, he said something about having done a few cameos. So, yeah, I would have to say it's 10 or more. Yeah. Uh, the correct answer is 12. He did oh. 12 movies. Oh, all right. Starting with uh, Raging Bull and ending with We're No Angels. Uh, oh, gosh. Then that's a, there, there's wow, a real okay. plum on his resume. Yeah, we will not be talking about that on the podcast anytime soon. Uh, Charles Grodin, 12 movies in the 80s. Huh. Whoa. Interesting. Starting with It's My Turn and ending with Midnight Run. Huh. Uh, the, ones, the ones that you would kind of maybe remember, these are not well-known movies, but for the ones you probably do remember, Seems Like Old Times. Uh, sure. The Great Muppet Caper. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know he was uh, in that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Lonely Guy. Oh, well, of he course. That I remember. Yeah. And uh, the, uh, the Couch Trip. With him uh, and Dan oh. Oh. So those are the big ones. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Grodin. I mean, this is probably my favorite role of his. I think the only other film I could say that I really liked him in was Heaven Can Wait. Oh, it's fantastic. That was really it. I, I just, yeah, I'm not a, I, I, he just always seems to bother me. I, I think because he's really understated. Yeah. But I loved him in this role. I thought he yeah. was just the perfect nebbishy, yeah. annoying guy. That's the exact word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's, and he is, he's perfect in this role. And, it, you know, yeah. they just, they just hit. They hit the right spot with that. They got the right note out of him. Well, critics generally agreed. Uh, Midnight Run has a 96% fresh rating at Rotten Tomatoes based on 45 reviews. Um, the stuck in the 80s favorite. Uh, Not nearly enough yeah. reviews. <laughs> uh, film critic Roger Ebert, the late Roger Ebert, gave the film three and a half out of four stars and wrote, quote, what Midnight Run does with these two characters is astonishing because it's accomplished within the structure of a comic thriller. It's rare for a thriller to end with a scene of genuinely moving intimacy, but this one does, and it earns it, unquote. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the scene where he also goes to see his daughter. Oh, yeah. Um, Let's talk about that. Oh, my gosh. Wait. Isn't much. About $180 babysitting money. Oh, sweetheart, I can't. I can't. Please. I can't. I can't, sweetheart. That's just heartbreaking. Yeah. And she tries to give him the money as she's, you know, her babysitting yeah. money. And he's, you know, I couldn't remember when I saw the scene as he's leaving, if he took the money or not. And I, I was really torn because I, I knew that if he got the money, he would pay her back. But at the same time, I'm like, you can't take that money. You cannot take that yeah. money from Brad, her. Brad, you, yeah. you watched it last night. So he, I was, did he take the money? I, I want to say he does. No, he says he nope. can't. He says he can't. And then, yeah. I mean, you don't see him like shove it away. You don't like, I mean, he's, his hands are away from you. So maybe he says though, while he's pocketing mm -hmm. it. But yeah, that scene, I, I do want to talk about that because I think that scene kind of makes this movie something different because you get this mm -hmm. moment where if you just watch this, you probably remember this too, Drew is De Niro's character. He is so lost. When he's standing in the house, like waiting, yeah. he's talking to his ex-wife and they're kind of getting into it a little bit. And he's like, oh, wait, okay. And then his daughter comes in and he just, 
he looks just adrift. Like he doesn't know what to say. Yeah. He doesn't know what to do. And it just, oh my gosh. I'm like, as I watch these movies, I'm like sitting here typing notes to myself on my phone so I can remember things. And <laughs> here's what I wrote at that moment. I wrote, oh shit, the daughter appears. And this is where Brad loses it. <laughs> Nero looks so lost. Because <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh. I mean, you know, I'm sure in 1988, I would have been like, oh, he's got a daughter. That's interesting. But now I have a daughter. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I'm trying, yeah. you put yourself in that position where it's like, here's this, this kid, not a kid, eighth grader that you haven't seen yeah. in how long was it? Six years, eight years, nine yeah. years. I don't remember. Nine years. Nine years. That, nine oh years. my gosh. It's just, oh, I mean, it's a bit of a cheap shot. Maybe, you know, just a, a little well, emotional note that you can lay on a parent, but, but here's what makes it so interesting. It was a, that's a good thing. Here's what makes it so interesting. He is a former Chicago policeman who refused to go on the take with the mob. Right. He was like the one yeah. clean cop in Chicago and he basically gets chased out of town for it. His wife goes on right. and marries a corrupt cop and he's the bad guy. Yep. He's the bad guy. Yeah. He's standing there looking yeah, awkward right. and he had to be standing. I mean, that's what's so brilliant about that scene is that it's all flipped around on its head. In the end, he knows that he's the bad guy because he hasn't seen his daughter in nine years. Right. He's kind of yeah. abandoned. Them. Yeah. It's complicated. It's complicated, yeah, but yeah, just when he just good. sees her, oh man, it's just a, and, and with, with Groden kind of in the background, just kind of mugging kind of. Yeah. And then oh, like, oh, just, then he's like, oh, I should look away now. And, yeah. yeah. And that's just one of the things about the film that, that makes it so different from everything else. It's not just a chase film. It's not yeah. just a buddy film. There's a lot of heart to it. Yeah. When I saw that, um, <clears throat> Farina was in it, I just assumed he was going <laughs> to yeah. be a cop. No. And then he shows up as the mobster and I'm like. Oh yeah, that's spot on too. Yeah. And he's he's really good in that role. I just figured he was going to be, you know, hard boiled police detective number twenty seven. No. Fantastic, not no. so much. Yeah. Sydney, I'm going to bury this phone in your <laughs> head. It's just he had the Is best. Dummy number one, put dummy number two on the phone. <laughs> oh, it's for you. Yeah. <laughs> Is he mad oh at my god. Oh, one thing you left out, Steve. Yeah, and he's punching him while he's <laughs> yeah. on the phone to him. Yeah. Oh my god. But one thing he left out was the fact that there's a second bounty hunter who's also right. going after these guys because yeah, he yeah. wants the payday. It's Taggart. Uh, uh, John Ash. I mean, Dorfler. Yeah. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Got the whole fucking force after me, huh? Marvin Dorfler. So and good. I saw something that said both John Goodman and John Candy were considered for that role, but it went to Ashton because he'd worked with him huh. on Beverly Hills Cop. But that would have been interesting. I don't know if John Candy could have been as gritty mm. as I think he needed to be. I think yeah. John Goodman, Goodman maybe, it. but yeah. I think yeah. Ashton did a great job. Yeah. Ashton is great in that role. And he's just the right amount of like hard ass and stupid. It's <laughs> like yes. also the same thing over and over <laughs> yeah. again. Except when they want him to fall for it and when they're trying not to get him to fall for it. And he says, I'm not falling for that again. Yeah. And he's about to get shot in the back. And then one other note is Joe Pantaleone or uh, Pantaleano. He wanted the role of one of the goons chasing Walsh. Because he originally wanted the Groden role, but they said absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, but then he got the perfect role of the bondsman, yeah. uh, Eddie Moscone. Yeah. Got the dope! Go, kid! This calls for a celebration. I'll get some donuts. And to this day, I still, whenever I see a bail bonds thing, I always go, ah, bail bonds. <laughs> that's how they Eddie Moscone, bail bonds. Well, the, I just, that's how I hear it in my head. The funny thing about that character that I noticed when he gives uh, De Niro's character the $1,200 that he owes him at the beginning of the movie, he pulls it out of his sock. Yeah. And I'm like, that's $1,200 in sock <laughs> money. 
Sweaty Joey yeah. Pants sock money. Sock money. Okay. <laughs> the, the other star that is obviously not on screen, and I didn't know about this until years and years later, all the music for uh, Midnight Run composed uh, by Danny Elfman of Boingo Boingo. Yeah. Yep. And unfortunately, I think is his worst score. It's not because it wasn't just nothing there. interesting. Yeah. The, there's nothing there. Exactly. It's the same repeated theme throughout the entire movie there's nothing that really makes it stand out and it he did it different it's a it's a bluesy score it's got a very oingo boingo feel but it's uh it's not that. a very um varied i didn't get any oh, oingo really? boingo note out of it really no i didn't I get know. any oingo boingo note whatsoever out of that that's why i never caught on normally he always has a, a few signature moves that you can pick up on but. yeah he did the uh the end credits theme is called try to believe and he sang the the lead and recorded it with oingo boingo under a, a Another name called Mosley and the B-Men. Interesting. Oh, nice. Well, I didn't stick around for the end credits. Yeah. <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> it's, like a ton of it was a lo- it's a long film. It's a long film. Yeah. Critics liked it. Audiences loved it. Enough so that it actually resulted in a sequel. In 1994, there was a made-for-TV movie called Another Midnight Run. Hmm. Christopher mm-hmm. uh, McDonald took over for the role of Jack Walsh. Yeah. And uh, Another Midnight Run was followed by two more made-for-TV sequels. Midnight Run Around and Midnight Run for Your Life. Oh man, lots of and yeah, lots we of drugs still, being done in Hollywood. Yeah, they, and we can't get somewhere else in time made. What the f- Hollywood? <laughs> in 2010, De Niro was actually shopping around a script, Midnight Run Two, where his Jack Walsh character would help Charles Grodin's son out of some trouble. Um, but it went through rewrite and rewrite, and it's just kind of been in development hell. They've never been able to do anything with it. But it was going to be an official sequel. To Midnight Run. God, that would have been something to see. There's one last thing that I thought was really interesting, and who knows if it's true. It's it's in the you know the some notes and stuff that I saw that the train scene in Flagstaff, Arizona, actually prevented a kidnapping. Really? Because a couple of extras dressed as policemen and driving police vehicles, you know, when they get the word that the suspects have been spotted near Sedona and all the police cars take off, Mm -hmm. apparently there were two men in the process of kidnapping a woman from a coffee shop in downtown Flagstaff. Right as all the police cars drove by. <laughs> and so they freaked out and they ran off and left the woman and, and uh, fled the scene. Hmm. So that's that's a you know, fun little story that who knows if it's true, but I like I like the, the idea. Of that. That's what I have. I would really just recommend everybody go see this film. If you haven't seen it, it's a surprisingly good film. Hey, everybody. Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by our good friends at HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, there's no need to make a – please excuse me here – a midnight run for fast food when your fridge is already stocked and ready with healthy meals. <laughs> Hello, fresh is the get up bump. Get some chorizo and eggs. Get some chorizo and eggs. <laughs> That's the special. Yeah, I know I've had meals from, with uh, Hello Fresh that had chorizo in it. They're amazing. Uh, yeah, so there you go. Oh, there you go. So it's fi- fiction come to life at Hello Fresh. Uh, Hello Fresh is the meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, delivers step by step recipes and ingredients right to your doorstep. I just got my new box of food yesterday, and the meals sound amazing, especially the chicken cheddar fajitas, one of my all-time favorites, because all my meals are made of fresh, responsibly obtained ingredients from carefully selected farms and highly rated sources. Brad and I have become loyal HelloFresh customers. Yeah, and for me, it's all about the enjoyment of not planning dinners. I mean, come on, that's a hassle, let's face it. It's the summer, my kids are home from college, and I want to spend my free time with them, not 
planning meals and running back and forth to the grocery store for, oh, I forgot the tortillas. Oh, <laughs> With HelloFresh, I can kick back. All the ingredients are in the fridge waiting for me when I get home. And because the ingredients are all pre-measured, there's no waste. That's what's important to me. I have like a very small kitchen. I do not have room for like two-gallon containers of mayonnaise. And the meals are almost ready in 30 minutes or less. And that's important to me after I, like, I make my 90-minute drive home from work every night. Last night, I made the uh, Tex-Mex tilapia. It came with this amazing cream sauce with lime and sour cream. And uh, it's served with couscous and green beans. Just incredible. Mm. Well, that's really the key. We forget to talk about. HelloFresh gets you out of the recipe rut, off the same old, same old, and encourages you to cook meals you might feel are outside your comfort zone. Once you see how easy it is, you realize it is inside your comfort zone. And because you're a listener to Stuck in the 80s, you get a special deal. Save $30 off your first order of HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash Radical30 and ordering using the promo code Radical30. Easy to remember, right? It's been the promo code for HelloFresh from day one here at Stuck in the 80s. The only small change, we're asking you to go to the new URL, HelloFresh.com slash Radical30, and then use the promo code Radical30. You'll be helping out the podcast, and you'll be helping out your family. Here's something else that always helps us all out. The Seggies. Ah, the magical refrain that is listener mailbag. We get a letter this week from Christian in Duluth, who is not too happy about the cracks that I made on our recent <laughs> podcast about movie sequels. So clearly Christian, Christian is wrong, but we will read his letter anyway. He could not be more right. I'm glad he wrote so Ed and Springfield didn't have to write one. <laughs> Christian writes, wow, I have a whole lot to say for this particular email, but since I'm at work, I'll make it quick. I hope. Let me first start by saying that Steve is clearly <laughs> on crack. <laughs> I'll admit that Star Trek The Motion Picture was not a great film, but it's way better than you're giving it credit for. I'll even cop to the fact that it's basically a remake of the episode of the original series called The Changeling, which also yep. features a probe called Nomad built on Earth, sent off into deep space, and now trying to return home to meet its creator. But there are several moments in the movie which make me gasp to this day. <gasps> the opening sequence, after the credits play when the new Klingons are introduced, and then they battle the cloud, it's still one of the coolest openings I've ever seen. The scene where Scotty takes Kirk on a tour of the newly redesigned Enterprise is breathtaking in both cinematography and awesomeness for showing the audience the new ship. Okay, a side note. They spend like 20 minutes panning yes. this, this. I mean, <laughs> it is like beauty shot after beauty shot yeah. after beauty shot. Like, remember this part of the ship? Here's the big dish on the front. Here's the red thing that glows. We don't know what it does. It's amazing. Here's the Jeffrey tubes. Oh, I've just outed myself as a nerd. Okay, let's keep moving. <laughs> Many a nerd has debated which version of the Enterprise is the best-looking ship. Hands down, for me, and most folks, honestly, Kirk's new Enterprise is the most beautiful of the bunch. And this part of the film captures why. Again, they spent 20 minutes on yeah. it. Finally, I'll mention the score, which I agree is amazing. The opening music and the Klingon battle to the dreamy music played during the cloud scenes is fantastic. Don't don't forget Ilea's theme. Oh, so good. Okay, Steve. <laughs> now you can pick apart the rest of the movie, since I know you will. No. Okay, your time's up. <laughs> and oh. Ironically, for me, one of the worst sequels of the 80s is also a Star Trek film. Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, almost sank the franchise. It was so bad. If you haven't seen it, don't. If you have, then you already know what I'm talking about. Ick. Let me stop right here and say that Christian could not be more right. 
Uh, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier is the turd in the punch bowl. But we're glad that we still talk about the franchise after this. It is one of the ones that was directed by a Shatner, I believe. And is that uh, the show. murder mystery one? No, this is um no box half brother the God one. What does God what? need with a starship? Yeah, it's bad. Don't don't ask well, any questions. This one at all. I've seen Star Trek one, two, three, four, six. I never six. saw five. You okay, I was thinking it looks super. You have to see it. No, you, you want don't. To bet? <laughs> you need. I, I have it on. I have it on good authority from my close personal friend Christian in Duluth, who obviously knows a lot about movies just, that I should not see it. I'm just to paraphrase Star Trek Five. You want your pain. You need your pain. This. I mean, this. This. I, that's. I got what I needed from it from you. I don't have to yeah, see okay. it now. I have my pain, and I also have my my sanity. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Go ahead. Finish the letter. Okay, we got just a little bit more. We're bringing it in now. Christian continues as for sequels that should have been made. Easy. The Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai Across the Eighth Dimension actually teased a sequel at the very end of the movie called Buckaroo Bonsai Against the World Crime League. I forgot about that. Alas, it was not to be. There are a lot of theories from budget problems, script issues, and even one theory that was never supposed to be a sequel in the first place, and that the placement of that ad at the end of the first film was just a gag on the audience. Still stuck in the eight, Christian and Duluth. Huh. Yeah, I'm going to jump on here with Steve. I'm on Team Steve. God, I thought the first movie sucked. It was so You guys boring. could not be worse. Nine hours could not be in wrong the ship in 20 minutes walking is stupid. It was so bad. <laughs> no, wrong. Wrong. It brutally bad. Let him say what he needs to say. When did you see it, Drew? Did you see I it in the theaters, theaters as a kid? Oh, I saw it in theaters. As a kid. And yeah. you hated it. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. You're a bitter terrible. old man at the age of 11. I feel so sorry for you. <laughs> oh, I just had I had dis- discerning tastes at the age of 11. Maybe I'll put you next to Steve on the cruise. You guys seem to have a like-minded <laughs> hatred of good things. We can sit there under our dark cloud and <laughs> mumble at all you youngins. Oh, my. And, and don't even get... <laughs> and another thing. You know, the ice at home is a lot colder than this ice is. <laughs> and I, I got to say this, too. Everyone knows Buckaroo Bonsai is a piece of shit. I mean, I know people love this movie. Uh, what are you but it's doing? Not good. It could have been good. But it's but not. It's, it's so fun, though. It's so quotable. It's so much. It's fun. It's fun like I've never. I seen can't it. believe you, you don't know like how this fun movie? it is. It's it's fun like watching your best friend divorce his wife who you knew he never should have been with in the first place. It's that kind of fun. <laughs> what on earth are you talking <laughs> about? It's, it's guilty fun. It's not good fun. What I'm going to do to you, Steve, I'm sending you through the transporter the first pass on Star Trek, the well, motion good, picture. Good, because whatever happens. And you know what they're going to get back? Ooh. It's not going to live long. <laughs> yes. Thank you. You'll be doing me a favor. You make me. You're, you're making me angry, 30. Steve Spears. And that takes some so, doing. There you go. You could not You could not be more on. All your taste is in your mouth, Ew. Spears. That's actually true. And Drew, we'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we love your letters. Uh, please give us something to mock, at least mock each other with. Send them to podcast at sit80s.com. Ah, yes. The I Want My Mystery TV theme song theme song. <laughs> If that's a thing. (laughs) It is now. Uh, You know the the drill here. We play a snippet of a theme song 
from the 80s, if you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for a... What are we giving away? Bottle openers. Bottle openers. Bottle opener. I'm trying to, to gather some more swag so that we can mix it up a little bit, maybe, but um, still in the process of acquisition. In the meantime, pay attention. Here was the clip from our last show. That's China Beach. Through the mirror of my mind, time after time, I see reflections of you and me. Reflections of the way life used to be. Reflections of the love you took from me. I got it this week. I got it. I said I got it. <laughs> and like after just one second, I'm like China Beach. That's I don't good. know. I've seen like one episode of the show ever because yeah. of the how, what was her name? Delaney. Dana, oh. Dana Delaney. Oh, Dana Delaney. There go our seven listeners. We just lost them. We'll have to work hard to get them back. Yeah, It'll be worth well, it. Between her and PJ Souls, I have a real thing for women in yeah. uniform. Not too many winners this week, <laughs> and, but not Star yeah. Trek uniforms apparently. Oh, no, because she was bald. She was she bald. Was bald. <laughs> I got, I got nothing. We true, gotta keep moving true. here. Who are the winners? <laughs> Who are the winners? Oh, <clears throat> all right. The winners include Victoria in Big Bear, Brock in North Dakota, Brian in San Francisco, Jonathan Thompson, Canuck in Colorado, and Christine in Philly. I'll be in Big Bear this really? weekend, actually. It's guy's weekend. Nice. So I'd say that we might run into Victoria, but we don't ever leave the cabin because we're playing video games all weekend. So probably not going <laughs> to see Victoria. The girl was bald. <laughs> no. Oh, Brad. Bald. Yeah. Anyway, here we she go. She was bald. Oh, God. Was know. that also uh, Kirstie Alley was in that one or She's was that in, later? No. That's, two. that's Star Trek 2. Yeah. Okay. She's in 2 yeah. and 3. Nope. She's replaced okay. in 3. Oh, oh is yeah. she? She's only in 2. Oh, that's right. If, if you were really a Trek fan, She's you would by know. The book. <laughs> I don't have the fight, time for your fight, shenanigans. Fight. You know, you know wait, by the way, I, wait, so, we never say this, but the, the, company that does, uh, <laughs> the company that does the 80s cruise also does a Star Trek cruise. You know, every year. Which Steve would love to go on, but I'm scared to death of that. <laughs> I keep hinting. I'm like, hey. You and Will Wheaton have a nice time. Yeah. They might, you might not ever escape. Is that what you're saying, Brad? You might never leave? No, I just, well, let me just tell a brief anecdote. For one of the tiebreakers and trivia this uh, year, we used a Star yeah. Trek question. And I'm like, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. There's <laughs> going to be people in this room. They're going to know, they're going to have the deep lore. You know, yep. and sure enough, we put the slide up there, and there are like eight people lining up at the stage. You, you, you missed a bunch of stuff here. You know, there's a lot of oh. things missing here, and that person. And I'm like, and I basically I had to put the hand up, and I'm like, we're not talking about this right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't. I couldn't handle a week with that. No, I no. can't do it. I mean, I respect them on a certain level. <laughs> yeah, step phasers to dorky. Oh, whoop! That's they're no. already there. <laughs> You know, don't get me wrong. I love me some Star Trek. I love the original series. Actually, I really like the animated series. I've been watching that on Amazon Prime oh lately, and it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty fun. But yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't need to know about you know the wife of the third crewman who dies in the episode with the green shirt on. And uh, no, okay, no, well there no. you go. Go outside. Spin the wheel, angry man. Play with a ball or spin something. Spin the wheel, angry man. Let's have a winner. I'm going to spin it with all of spin my it. angry anger. Ah, angry man. The winner this week is going to be Victorian Big Bear. Hell, Drew, you can just deliver it when you're up there. No. Oh. 
I'll bring it on up. <laughs> In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's Mystery TV theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at SITs.com. Tune in next week to find out if you are a winner. Hey, that's all the time we have this week, but check back with us this coming Wednesday. Angry Man may or may not be here. No bald women, but we will have a special bonus episode. Until then, remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app. Two gallons of mayonnaise. Mayonnaise. <laughs> How many French fries would I need to go through two gallons oh, of mayonnaise? Oh, God. That'd be sick. <laughs>